Is it possible that Rob Portman and Mitt Romney and Lisa Murkowski have no idea how government works, that they have not observed the last 50 years in the United States or not read about or understood the way government has metastasized itself like a cancer into every part of the body politic? Is it possible that Mitt Romney, Lisa Murkowski, Rob Portman and others just simply are unfamiliar in in their in entirety the word of God. Is that possible? They apparently don't know how government is marching parents towards a behavioral kill shoot to take their kids away. And a proposed bill in Virginia that says parents could face charges for not affirming their LGBTQ children. They apparently are unfamiliar with the drive to normalize pedophilia. Most of us feel discomfort when we think about pedophiles. But just like pedophiles, we are not responsible for our feelings. Well, you're responsible for your actions with those feelings. We all are. We all are. Same-sex attracted people who choose not to engage in the behavior because they believe in the biblical definition of marriage and the biblical construct of when sexual contact is allowable and good in God's eyes, that's a struggle. That has to be really hard. I know people who struggle in not acting on, on, on a opposite sex attraction all the time in their marriage. And they pray about that, and that can be hard for people. But what Mitt Romney and Rob Portman and Murkowski and the rest of them did when they signed off on the left's new respect for marriage bill is they got down on their knees and they prayed to the God of this world. Uh, the, the, the one who's been allowed to run things in a little bit of a way down here. And while they were down there praying to that, they also lit a fuse. Todd Herman Show is 100% disapproved by big pharma, technocrats, and tyrants everywhere. Now, from the high mountains of free America, here's the Emerald City Exile, Todd Herman. Today is the day the Lord has made, and these are the times to which God has decided we shall live. Thank you to my brother, Zach Abraham at Bulwark Capital Management for getting us, well, it didn't get stardust, but being the first partner in the door. Loyal friend, loyal brother. Here's the names. Oh, you'll recognize them all blunts. Burr, Capito, Collins, Loomis, Portman, Robney, Sullivan, Tillis, Ernst, Young, Murkowski. They all voted to codify uh, same-sex marriage into law, but they voted for much, much more than this. Much more. And they can, it's, it's quite possible that they are so, so a part of the lie that they simply can't see how this is unfolding. And I've told the story many times of a well-meaning Republican, good man, good Christian man, kind man, uh, who was a, uh, a chair of one of the Republican parties in the many states. Uh, truly a lovely man. 
And he said, after Oberfeld, when the, the, the Supreme Court discovered the right to force people to participate in marriage ceremonies they don't like, which is how that's being treated. That's not actually what they discovered, but it's how it's being treated, which is why it's so amazing to watch Mitt Romney say, do it to other people. Force other people to participate. Um, he said at the time, this lovely man, well, I'm actually glad this happened because now they can't ask for anything else. This is it. And to my everlasting shame, I laughed in his face. And then I apologized very quickly. I said, wow, that was rude. I'm so sorry. No, this isn't over. Not by a long shot. Are you kidding? This has nothing to do with marriage equality. This has to do with crushing people. This has to do with division. This has to do with the Garden of Eden. And surely you won't die. It has to do with a drive to divorce us from God, which has existed since that moment, since Satan said, oh, come on, Eve, you're not going to die. And the way this is being cast, it's brave and it's stunning, but what does it actually mean? Now, do I think that the government should stop same-sex attracted people from having a ceremony or a civil ceremony? No. That's, that's their decision. Uh, that's not my concern with this bill. My concern is not how it might be used. <laughs> my, my concern is how it will be used. And we've done a horrible job as Christians of communicating any sense of relatability on this topic. And the left has done a brilliant job of making sexual desire into identity. And of course, taking things like what happened in, in Colorado Springs and saying, this is the fault of libs of TikTok. This is the fault of Tucker Carlson. None of which is true. Hey, I just got a really nice note, uh, just unsolicited, from the folks at Bonefrog Coffee at, on Twitter, they wrote, someone wrote out, see, that that redhead wrote, check out the Toddy Herman Show while you're at it, a true patriot, and a um, American flag there, and Bonefrog Coffee posted back, agreed, Todd is truly the voice of America, American flag, and American patriot and voice of sanity in this crazy world, and I replied, thank you, brother, let's make sure that God's word is the voice of America. Let's do that. See, this is a friendship that developed over business. Uh, first time I met Tim Cruikshank, the founder and CEO of Bonefrog Coffee, was for, through a dear friend of mine, Cyrus, who I used to work with and still conspire with. And he was at a book signing, signing his book. Cyrus has a book. And he was signing his book. And Tim saw that I had written something for the, 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 the dust jacket. Is that still a thing? Dust jacket? And said, oh, man, could you introduce me to Todd? Everybody says I need to meet him. The moment I met Tim and got to know him, I understood why we were to meet. Because Tim is not supposed to be building Bonefrog Coffee into what it is. He's a Navy SEAL. He's a 25-year Navy veteran. He was in the battlefield with folks in combat, taking care of him as a, uh, as a physician's assistant, rushing in to stop the bleeding. That's they supposed to do that. Bonefrog Coffee, though, is a heart thing for him. Uh, he's committed to 10% of the proceeds going to Navy SEAL foundations to help the families of fallen Navy SEALs. More importantly, he's committed to coffee. Dave Stewart has been a coffee legend for almost five decades. 
he started Seattle's Best Coffee. That was the thing that got coffee rolling. And he does one of their roasts. And in fact, he mentors Tim on all their roasts. He's at many of their tasting events. So when you go to bonefrog.us, select K-Cup or whole bean, drip, however you like your coffee prepared, and however you like it brewed, know that that's the heritage behind this and know what you're contributing to. It's bonefrog.us. There you get 5% off subscriptions for life. That's the website my brother Tim and I built together, bonefrog.us. Well, had built. Neither Tim nor I built it. Our teams built it. I want to get into the fake news thing. So what does this mean? Uh, this act that Romney and and Portman and Murkowski, and incidentally, you know why Murkowski's back in office this time? Last time is because an Alaska judge who knew her daddy changed election rules for her. So all people had to do was write in Lisa in the write-in ballot because she was once again beaten in the primary by an actual conservative Christian. And that time, what was he, Harvard? He's a Harvard grad and also happened to be a special operations guy. Retired. She lost to him in the primary. And then, the, 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 funny enough, the party didn't, didn't, the GOP didn't back the nominee. They attacked him. And an Alaska judge fixed it for Lisa. So all you had to do was write Lisa. Which Lisa? It doesn't matter. All Lisas in Alaska are, are Lisa Murkowski. It's like, oh, come on. We're all Negan. The reason she's in office this time is the ranked choice voting scheme. That's why Sarah Palin lost. Lost, I should say. That's why Sarah Palin lost is the ranked choice voting scheme. Guess who came up with that? Lisa Murkowski. So it's Palin who lost. It's Murkowski who came up with this. So she's in on this. Now, what, how, how, how does this threaten us as Christians? The Daily Wire has a, or probably Daily Signal has a very good write-up on this. I want to get to in a second, but I want to start with this. And whenever I speak these words or, or words like these, I, I feel I run the risk of being offensive to my wife. And that is not the point of this. And I hope that's not the case. She is kind enough to listen to the cast. And I'm not going to use names here for reasons that will become obvious. Um, we are bad at relatability when it comes to same-sex issues. Really bad at it. Because what the left has done is so brilliant. And it's not the left. What, what, what has been done through the left, what Satan has done through the left, is Satan has taken an activity... That is being actively engaged in same-sex sexual activity. And he has twisted that into an identity. So it's your primary identity. I am gay. We've talked about that. And that is a, a characteristically of Satan. He can't create. He can't invent. He can't have joy. He can't do any of that. But he can distort. He can distract. And he can discourage. That's so that's in his toolkit. That's distorting. No, you are not that. That's something that you enjoy, but it is not and should not be your primary identity. You can make anything your primary identity. Like I could go around when I was in talk radio, I could around go going around saying, I'm a talk show host. No. No, I'm a Christian, I'm a husband, I'm a dad. Those things are far more important than job. That's what I do. 
But while the left has been doing that, we on uh, we Christians have not been relatable on this. So here is a this is something I see is very, very related. Um, I went through an enormously hurtful relationship when I was a young kid. Well, young. I mean, I was, gosh, in my early 20s, enormously hurtful. And I've forgiven everybody involved uh, fully and completely. I think nothing uh, of those folks, but good. I, I, nothing but good for real, but it was enormously hurtful at the time. The consequence of that was that I was, I didn't date for a long time, like five or six years at all. Not, not once. Now it, it helped that I weighed a bunch of extra weight at the time and looked pretty freaky. I don't, uh, maybe I carry weight well. I don't think so. And during this time period, I met a woman who was in uh, a marriage that was uh, in a precarious place. And truth be told, uh, God forgive me, I didn't ever think much of her husband. I thought he was neglectful, bordering on abusive. And she and I developed a friendship at work. And it happened that we could work together. We could tr- not, not travel, but go about town together. And I connected with this person. And in, in, yeah, I thought she was physically very pretty. And in fact, very, very beautiful. And in terms of a human, I thought she was fascinating and funny and um, weird in all the good ways. And so we started to make reasons that we would see each other. And so lots of lunches and, oh, we're talking business. Well, not really. And soon it became very clear that we were really close friends. And so much to the point that we could finish each other the sentences and all of that. And, and my mom said to me, oh, well, this is a perfectly safe relationship for you because you're not going to get involved with a married woman. Not, not really. And it seems like it's good for her. From what I hear, her marriage isn't in a good place. And that's my mom's view. My mom's a cafeteria Catholic. And just as long as it doesn't cross any lines. Well, what I know now is it had crossed a line. It had crossed a pretty significant line sharing things with me that she didn't share with her husband. That's a pretty significant line. And yet I just adored her. And I got this opportunity to leave. Uh, in fact, to get my first paid gig in radio, <laughs> not, not paid. I earned money in Spokane, but I only earned uh, a percentage of the, sh- of the money that came into the show. So no base pay. So I earned a larger percentage of what I brought in in advertising and a smaller percentage of what my partner Tom brought in in advertising was his radio station. And so I moved. And this woman and I went out and had lunch. We went out and had lunch for kind of one last time and then took a drive and looked at some like just cool places around Spokane. No physical contact, not one time, not ever. Uh, no, the, actually the last only physical contact I had with her was I hugged her goodbye in a parking lot around a bunch of people. That was it. Never, ever physical contact, not one time. And yet we were eating this lunch. And as we were wrapping this up and getting ready to say goodbye, I was leaving in a few hours to get on the air or to drive. No, cause I drove down. Uh, she said to me, how am I going to convince my husband to come visit you, to let me come and visit you? How am I going to convince him to let me go see you there? 
I said, oh, you're not. Oh, that's not going to happen. You're not going to convince him of that. Wow. This is goodbye. Yeah, I think it is. I mean, I'd love to keep in touch with you, but this is goodbye. Now, in that situation, all my biology, all of my biology, all of what I wanted as a human, as a man, was to say to her, hey, I got to tell you something. I know you're not happy in your marriage. And I, I don't want to talk out of turn, but I'm not a big fan of the way your husband treats you. And your family can't stand the way your husband treats you. Well, the members of your family have met. Why are you doing this? Be with me. Everything in my, my biology. And I'm not talking about a sexual thing. I'm talking about feelings. What I felt. Well, we didn't pursue anything. We denied ourselves. And it was a better decision. Far better. But it was painful. Now, I know it's a better decision because it's all these years later. And news gets filtered through to me. She's a very happy woman. The marriage thing has turned around and did pretty quickly. They were pretty newly married. They got it figured out. And she's got all these things that she's ever wanted. And I've been blessed beyond compare. That not would have not happened had we made the other decision. So when you take a Murkowski and a Collins and a Portman and they drop to their knees and they pray to the enemy, they can be doing this with all sorts of compassion. It would, if I had that day at that lunch reached out and grabbed this woman's hand, not grabbed it, but that held her hand, that would have been compassion. Had I (laughs) stroked her arm, that would have been done with compassion. Had I kissed her, that would have been done with compassion and it would have wrecked a marriage. Perhaps. Certainly would have impacted it and it would have been sin, grievous sin. So Portman, Mikowski, they can all look at this endorsement of this this codifying of same-sex marriage and say "This this is compassion and yet what is going to happen? Well, it's all loaded into the bill is what's going to happen. And the roadmap has already been laid out. And the attacks will begin pretty quickly. We'll talk about where the attacks will come. And remember this about Satan. He rarely arrives on the scene and says, Hey, I, uh, I'm a liar, a thief, and a murderer, and I want to have you burn in a... <laughs> never-ending lake of sulfur and fire for eternity come with me spill the wine drink the girl that's not what he does or no is it drink the wine spill the wine take the girl eric burden that's not the way he does things that's just just not tries to be tricky 
right? And it's a very tricky thing when you look back. I was just talking about that time. How on earth I was lucky enough to have my wife not look at me and say, wow, you were enormous. Like, there could be six of you. Uh, somehow she found a way to love me. And maybe that's because love can see through uh, extra fat on the body. Some people are better at that than others. And if you look back at the time, could you look back at the time that you started putting on fat? Could you? I can. I remember it to this day. <laughs> I remember it to this day. It was after wrestling in senior year in high school and my friend Jeff and I went out and we conned our way into getting a case of beer and two, two, two cases of donuts. And we went to his house and we ate and drank all of that at once. Now, I stayed really active after that. I played, you know, small college football at a very, very small college, continued to lift weights and run. But I kept up that eating pattern. Man, look at this. I can eat whatever I want. And it started. And then when I stopped being active but didn't change the eating habits. Oh, it took off. And it was probably, I'm thinking, um, I, I could think through this. It was probably 15 pounds a year. And all of a sudden, boom, 150 extra pounds of fat. And it did seem all of a sudden because I just saw this picture. Boom. It's like someone came up and wrapped six people around me. Hey, how'd they get there? Sometimes it's like that, right? Well, the reverse process doesn't need to be as chaotic. It doesn't. If you work with Soda Weight Loss at SodaWeightLoss.com, they will put together a menu for you, designed for you in regard to what your trigger foods are. They'll provide you with convenience foods. And by the way, those are foods you don't have to buy out in the grocery store. Okay, so that replaces the cost of food you're buying now. Take that into account as you examine whether you use these guys or not. And they'll keep you on track with accountability weigh-ins from your home. When they see you miss a step, they'll tell you, hey, this is probably what happened. Let's go back and look at what you ate. Oops. For me, it's uh, those ice ice water, those flavored waters that'll lock fat on me like you won't believe, or chewing gum. Sugarless chewing gum makes me store fat. So they'll help you with that. It's sodaweightloss.com. And it doesn't need to be chaotic because they'll tell you how long it will take you to lose that fat, roughly, if you stick to the plan. That's that's the opposite of chaotic. Soda Weight Loss at SodaWeightLoss.com. Man, I accidentally killed the music. Soda Weight Loss at SodaWeightLoss.com. So what is likely to happen with this bill? Uh, well, you have Mitt Romney. <laughs> Mitt Romney, who says the new Congress should lay off the new investigations of Joe Biden. This is what Romney says. No, 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 none of this. No investigations of Joe Biden. We're going backwards. Don't, don't, don't do that. But he said he would, he voted, he voted to impeach Trump twice. That's Romney's sage advice. So he's probably the lead turncoat in all of this, but doing it for, for compassionate reasons. So the Daily Signal has a great write-up on this. And guess where it goes back? Barack Hussein Obama. Mm, 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 God bless Rush. Claim number one from the Daily Signal's fact check. This is done by uh, Roger Saravino, is vice president of domestic policy, and the Joseph C. something or other at the Heritage Foundation. So he's, 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 he's lawyered up. 
claim, because the bill's findings characterize beliefs in man-woman marriage as worthy of respect, the legislation would provide religious institutions legally significant protections against being um, treated by government as the equivalent of bigots. He writes, response, false. First, the issue is not the ability to believe in man-woman marriage, but the ability to live out those beliefs meaningfully in society and not be labeled a bigot by the government for doing so. How does it get back to Barack Hussein Obama? Mm -mm. Like this. Uh, uh, uh. Look, look, no, 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 no one is, 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 is against your rights uh, uh, to worship. Uh, everybody ha- has, has a right to worship. Uh, worship as they see fit. It's the language change. It's the hallmark of the left, the language change. We're endowed with a, a certain, certain rights. Endowed by whom? It's the language change. Respect for mere beliefs in man-woman marriage gets people of faith little in this context, but more fundamentally, the bill doesn't even go that far. It reads, diverse beliefs about the role of gender in marriage are held by reasonable and sincere people based on decent and honorable religious or philosophical premises. Therefore, Congress affirms that such people and their diverse beliefs are due proper respect. He points this out. And this is the way he writes it. This is good. Diverse but wholly unspecified beliefs about the role of gender in marriage, whatever that means, are held by acceptable people based on acceptable premises. Therefore, such acceptable people who hold those acceptable beliefs about marriage are due an acceptable level of respect. That's meaningless. And it means everything. It's gibberish. It's word salad. It's banal. It is not legally binding. Respect is not definable. And it means everything they don't mention. Biblical marriage, or if you like, opposite sex marriage. Claim number two, the bill can't be used as a basis for the IRS to deny the tax-exempt status of religious organizations that adhere to and act upon their beliefs in man-woman marriage. Response, false. Although the bill clarifies through a rule of construction that it does not, by its own operation, revoke tax-exempt status for dissenting religious organizations. It gives ample grounds for the IRS and any other authority to do the actual dirty work. Of course it does. This is how it's done. This gives Mitt Romney and Rob Portman and Lisa Murkowski the ability to come back and go, well, that's stinking IRS. I'm a severe conservative, Mitt Romney can say. I'm a severe conservative, and, and the IRS has overplayed its hand. And by golly, when, I, when you elect me back to the Senate, by golly gracious, I'm going to write several strongly worded letters, strongly worded, all caps, to the IRS. And I will make my opinion known, dosh darn it, just garn it. That's the game. That's how this gets rolled out. So it will go down to the churches. And churches will get the letter from the IRS. We have viewed some of your sermons. And we are investigating your 501c3 status. Some of your sermons don't respect gay marriage. We're investigating your 501c3 status. 
But this is slippery slope stuff. <laughs> slippery soap, slope, that, that doesn't happen. That's just a scare tactic of people like me who simply want to scare people for fun and profit. That's all. And a proposed bill in Virginia that says parents could face charges for not affirming their LGBTQ children. 7 News' Tom Rousey joining us now from the Alert Desk with this story and to explain it to us, Tom. And Jonathan, my co-worker Nick Minock spoke with Democratic Delegate Elizabeth Guzman about her proposal. Guzman, who is also a social worker, told 7 News she planned to reintroduce the bill, which would expand the state's definition of child abuse and neglect to include parents who do not affirm their child's gender identity or sexual orientation. Will you be reintroducing this bill come this general session? Yes, we are having policy conversations right now with the House Democratic Caucus, and we are having those conversations now. But the day that Governor Yankin wanted to implement this policy, I immediately tested the policy lead on that committee. I said, this is how we're going to push back. This is how we're going to push back, by going after the parents. If Mitt Romney, Murkowski, Portman, Loomis, Burr, Blunt can't see this coming, then they've never worked in government. But the problem is they've worked in government, so they can clearly see it coming. <laughs> I, was just, I, I promise you, I don't plan these things. I was just talking about the slippery slope <laughs> and soap started to come out of my mouth. I guess it's because this is a season where I really, man, I we're on the point of a breakthrough with our friends at Bonefrog. I want, nah, forget what I want. Wouldn't it be amazing to have Alan's soaps breakthrough during the Christmas season? You know, if you think of the Christmas story and the facts of Christmas, you had the Lord's only begotten son turned into a helpless little baby uh, with a teen mom and a dad born under, well, it would have been, and it was, controversial circumstances. Oh, come on, an angel? An immaculate? That's, what? Um, and yet that happened. And the baby Jesus was, well, he could only eat if Mary fed him. Couldn't care for himself. Now, young Alan, Alan Soaps, is not the baby Jesus. <laughs> I think your par his parents will tell you. He's 12 years old. He's deeply impacted by autism. He has his moments. He's a kid. He has his moments. Um, and yet, and yet there's this helplessness in a way, except for this. At Alan Soaps, he works every single day. It doesn't matter how many surgeries he's had. By the way, the count is seven, perhaps going on eight for real surgeries like spinal surgery. And yet he works. And those things are painful. And yet he works. And sometimes it's creative work, like inventing new fragrances of soaps that you can find at allenssoaps.com slash Todd. But nearly every day, it's quality control and packaging soaps. Yes, they're packaged. Why? Because they're made here in America. Why? Because that's of their belief structure as well. What, do they just throw these things together? No, in fact, they work with a family who has three generations of expertise in soap making. You can go grab a DIY kit. Create your own gift pack for your friends who know all lives matter. And when they get the soap, you can tell them the story about Allen Soaps and why it exists, because here's why it exists. 
They successfully employ Allen, and he is productive and creative and important. He is the chief soap officer, and they want to hire more people like Allen. So there's the party who wants to abort people like Allen, even after they're born, which is, in fact, not abortion, but murder. And then there's people like Allen's folks who employ him and give him the dignity of work. It's allensoaps.com slash Todd. allensoaps.com slash Todd. So that's obviously the way that this is all going to unfold. And the IRS will be coming around to, you know, chat and such. And we live in an era where government lies constantly and consistently to us. We live in an era where they seek to control us constantly and consistently. We live in an era where government takes sides. Later this week, I'm going to play for you audio from um, an organization that has taken your tax money to create a video game on phones for little kids to teach them to hate populism. To teach them that government is good all the time. Government is good all the time. Government is good. To teach them that it is wrong to be skeptical of the authorities. That skepticism is extremism. And it's done by psychologists who are adept at mind control and propaganda. It's done by people who admit they're propagandists. Because they see no problem with propaganda. In fact, one of the guys involved in this said the government should do propaganda. Governments absolutely should do propaganda. We should absolutely control the mind of the populace. We're facing that. We'll get to that Wednesday. But all of this leads into a question for you. Where were you the first time you heard that men who think they're women get to go live in women's prisons and rape women. Where were you? What was the time in your life where that was unthinkable? What year was it that if someone had come up to you and said, hey, did you hear they're letting male rapists pretend to be women and get into women's prisons and then rape the women? And they're doing this in women's domestic violence shelters too? Where, where, at what point in your life would you have heard that and said, that's impossible? Everybody knows. It seems like forever, doesn't it? Where were you when you learned that your government can go to a cake or a florist and say, you will go to the wedding. You will leave your store. You will go to the wedding. You will write on cards an endorsement of same-sex so-called marriage. You will do that or we will crush you. We will take your store. Where were you when you heard for the fourth time that activists continue to punish a cake baker in Colorado by this time? Oh, you won't make a cake pretending boys or girls? Oh, we're going to sue you all the way to the Supreme Court because the man has different views. Where were you when you learned about that? Well, Where was the Lord Jesus when he told us these times would come? (laughs) He's always been, always will be. But where was he when he told us? He was with the disciples. 
And it wasn't just the Lord Jesus. It was every prophet, not everyone, but most of the prophets saying the times will come when good will be evil and evil will be good. The Lord Jesus told us, hey, blessed are you when people try to destroy you in my name. Because they're going to try to destroy you in my name. Blessed be the struggle. Why? Why would blessed be the struggle? I have, I, I have fought that. I've not understood that. That has baffled me. Wait, wait, wait. Blessed because we struggle. That doesn't make any sense. Except for this. When we seek to be holy, we are seeking to be more like Jesus. He didn't have an easy skate. God could have chosen for him an easy skate. He could have been born to luxury. He could have become a prince. And then as prince said, here are the new rules. Oh, by the way, I'm the son of God. Watch. And in front of everybody said, look, I'm going to bring a bunch of people back to life. Watch. He didn't. He knew hunger. He knew fear. His family had to flee a mass murderer. He knew cold, discomfort, toothaches. He knew what it was to have a friend turn his back to betray you, to betray the Lord. He knew that. He knew what it was to be hated and spat upon and despised and tortured and whipped and mocked as he died. That is not an easy skate. When we seek to be more like the Lord, it isn't, hey, just the easy parts though, okay? Just like turning wine into water, can we do that to just the easy parts? That's not it. We seek to become more like the Lord because the Lord became the perfect savior for us because of what he voluntarily went through. The perfect, the perfect elements of the Godhead to intercede on our behalf, to witness about how difficult and how cruel the world could be. That's why we're blessed when we struggle in his name. And at no time did he give into anger or rage. That's a hard part for us. Mitt Romney and Lisa Murkowski I'm not to say fools. That's God's job. They're owned. They may well be paid off. I don't know. But I know this. They're owned. (laughs) That people who've worked in government their whole lives or around it. Mitt has worked in and around it his whole life. That they can't see that the bureaucrats are going to use this as a hammer to destroy Christian churches. And yet they can't destroy us. That's the funny part. Take our buildings. Okay, you took our buildings. You have buildings. Congratulations. You have a campus. Good on you. You got yourself a campus because you used the IRS thuggery to come and say, we can't speak the word of God. You have buildings and hey, you even have some volleyball courts. Well, good job. We're going to meet in fields. We're going to meet in homes. We're going to be more like the original church and tighter. We're going to supply each other food and comfort. In the face of this opposition, because you can't destroy the word of God. You may drive us to be more active Christians. 
That leads me to a note. And this is such a, in a way, this is such a beautiful note. And there's some criticism in it, but I find it beautiful that, that someone would think out or think of me this way, think enough of me to write a note like this. And it comes from a woman, or I don't know that it's a woman. Actually, my uncle's name is Kim. And so this may well be a man, but it comes from a Kim. And I want you to see why I find this beautiful. Dear Todd, I'm having a tough time understanding your radio announcement um, announcements this weekend on, about Clay and Buck and guest hosting there. So if you don't know, in the end of December, I'm going to be guest hosting uh, Clay and Buck show on 400 radio stations. Uh, Kelly writes, when you said you were leaving radio to do the podcast for the Lord, I thought you were really on the correct road. Spiritual fortifications are what's missing on a lot of the radio shows. Rush was able to pull it off because he was genuinely the whole package. That said, what makes you think your return to radio is so great? Ken Matthews had a syndicated radio show and spoke out against the party and the radio when he thought he was off the air about the Hunter emails. Mark Stein is constantly checked off by um, GB News. Are you seriously suggesting you're going to go on the radio and say what you've been saying in the podcast? To be fair, I haven't found your weekend radio show yet. But I can't help wondering why you're excited about minimizing your wonderful message that puts the Lord first. Please help me see what I'm missing and what you are seeing that makes this a good idea for truth seekers. God bless you, you mighty disciple of Christ with love, concerned listener Kelly. What a beautiful, beautiful note. Bless you. Thank you. In media, we have funnels. In online, people go and they see a headline. Most people never get past the headline. In the era of social media, they click the headline and they retweet the headline or they post a headline. They never read the article. That for they, therefore, they never get the information. But that's the biggest part of the funnel. That's the most people. Then there's a certain percentage of people who then read the article and say, okay, this is, this is I agree or I disagree, and it stops there. They, they, shut, they shut their browser. There are some people who read that article and so firmly agree or disagree that then they send it out and they take a um, they take a, a bit of the article and they quote it. This is I found this interesting. You know, par- second paragraph. This is really vital information. They share that with friends. There are some people who then read that article, do that, and then go to the comment section and say, hey, you guys made an error here, or I disagree, or I agree. The further down the funnel you are, the more engaged the audience is. In radio, we talk about P1s. These are people who listen to the in, they listen to the radio show all day. And certain shows have P1s, where you have people who turn your show into appointment radio. That was what Rush achieved. Rush had more P1s, God rest him, than anyone in radio history. More people who set their day up to, hey, can we go out to lunch? No, I can't. Rush is on, but I would like to see you at 3 o'clock. Wait, you're not going to come because of a radio show? Nope. It's election season. I absolutely will stay and I'll listen to Rush. Or driveway radio. People come home and they're not going to get out of their car. They sit in their car because they want to hear the radio show finish. Rush did that. Paul Harvey did that. Other select few have pulled that off throughout time. So the funnel is this, Kelly. Getting on to Clay Buck's show, number one, is fun for me. Live radio is fun. I enjoy that. Number two, they're on 400 radio stations. Number three, will I go and quote scripture and verse? No. And I'll tell you why. Because it's the top of the funnel. But because those guys are so good to us, guest hosts, they are so good to us, I'm going to be allowed to promote this podcast. 
And the certain, the people who hear that and say, hey, I like this guy's take on politics. I hear that he's a Christian because he speaks about God and he opens the show with today is the day the Lord has made. So I know he's a Christian. When they come into the podcast and they sit down for the first time, they're going to go, wow, this guy talks about God a lot. Some of them are going to go, I'm ready for this. I want to hear more about God because I tell you, the Lord has been amazing in this. I've met so many Christians who have had their faith stolen from them. So many people who God has worked through to say, come back to the body of Christ. Wait, I didn't know church was an expectation and it is. So the reason I'm excited about it is number one, it's the top of the funnel. So many people to to expose them to, to bring them into the cast so that they can hear us then have God at the center. The reason I don't go full blast on scripture and such in live radio is because the drive-by nature of radio. This is not the drive-by media. This is people getting in and out of their cars or in and out of meetings because it's live radio. They're not going to hear the full context. So if they tune in and I am strictly quoting the Bible, a lot of people will go, whoops, wrong station. I thought this was politics and they click out. That's just a fact of the matter because of the people tune into a show every five minutes in and out. Our job is to hold them. So the reason I'm excited about it is because it's fun, because it's 400 stations, because it's the top of the funnel. And I will tell you this, the deal that we have with Radio America, who distributes this podcast, and they've been just so kind to give us this shot at Weekend National Radio. Um, I'm not going to speak in detail about contracts because I've got a non-disclosure clause, but I will tell you this. I will never be held to someone else's speech codes. Not ever. I will never give anybody editorial control. I will never be told to not speak the word of God. I will never be told to not go at Big Pharma. I will never be told to not have doctors who have edge theories and even make some of my friends uncomfortable. I will never be told ever that I don't get to do that. I'll choose to do something else if that becomes the case. And I absolutely will never be told to not preach the word of God. To pastors, you will be taken. This bill means you will be taken. Wise as a serpent, gentle as a dove. Do you have your plan for when the IRS comes? You can work with your tax attorneys, religious freedom attorneys to get ahead of what's coming. Because when they come to you and say, you, it's just marriage. All we're telling you is you can't speak about biblical marriage. Here's what they're saying. All we're telling you is you cannot quote the Bible. And at that point, if you agree, even in one word, you have joined the enemy. The moment you agree to not speak from the Bible because it offends the authorities, you have joined the enemy because he has created a wedge between your church and God Almighty. I invite you to join me in a hard and fast rule. No editorial control. This is the Todd Herman Show. Please go be well, be strong, be kind. And remember, when we suffer in the name of the Lord, we're getting to have that goal, reach that goal of being more like the Lord. We'll never get there, but we're getting closer.